Okay, good. Well, I think we're we're there. So welcome everybody. Um, so I'm going to do. Uh, I learned this at Brightway, and I uh, I think it's a it's a wonderful wonderful way to start, uh, just by acknowledging everybody that's uh, here. But before we'll do that, um, what we're going to try and do for um, when we get together is start off with uh, a land acknowledgement. Um, and so uh, we're in, I'm, I'm broadcasting from Edmonton today, so we'll do the, uh, the Edmonton and area land acknowledgement. We acknowledge Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux. We acknowledge that this territory is home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta regions two, three, and four within the historical Northwest Métis homeland. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis and Inuit who have lived in and cared for these lands for generations. We're grateful for the traditional knowledge and elders who are still with us today and those who have gone before us. We seek to build respectful and harmonious relationships with these nations and all people to encourage mutual understanding and honor the authentic history of North America and Canada, its original people, and the story of the creation of this country that has historically been missing. We make this acknowledgement as an act of reconciliation and gratitude to those whose territory reside on or are visiting. Wonderful. Um, so what we'll do is uh, one of the things that I picked up from Brightways Zen, which I think is, is a good, is to acknowledge everybody that is here tonight. So. Sensei, thank you for joining us from California. Uh, Lauren, welcome. Grayson, welcome. Anne, welcome. Randall, welcome. Marla, welcome. And Sean, welcome. Great. Thank you for being here. It's a great start. Uh, so tonight is our first, uh, first Dharma talk. I was going to do a few quick announcements, if that's okay with everybody. I figured I'd do it at the at the beginning rather than at the end, um, and then we'll we'll start with an opening Dharma verse, and then I'll turn it over to you, Gyoke, for the for the talk. So, um, just to let everybody know, I will be in Anchorage this weekend. For those of you that are in the southern zone, um, looks unless we get completely smoked out, and you'll have to tell me what it's like down there because I don't know. Um, it looks like it's going to get better through the week. So I'm teaching two uh, Zazen classes, one on Saturday morning, one on Sunday. Uh, and it looks like tickets have been selling for those. So it looks like people coming to that one. And then uh, a couple of other, other meditation classes. Um, starting August 8th, um, there will be information showing up on the Nikayuko Japanese Garden website, hopefully soon. Club Zen, 
in Lethbridge at the garden is a go. Um, the nice thing about that, um, and hopefully I'm not sabotaging, you know, the weekend classes coming, I'm just kidding, um, is, uh, is greatly reduced rate. So I think it's about $7 um, for, for a session uh, to pay for admission to the garden. And um, uh, I think it's $20 for a, for a four session pass at the garden. So there'll be information about dates and times. Um, speaking of which, Club Zen, for those of you in the Edmonton area, um, I am in negotiations right now, and it looks like I got a message from the Mutart Conservatory in Edmonton that they are uh, wanting to host meditation classes, hopefully this starting this fall, I hope. So <laughs> uh, it sounds like they're very interested in having a Club Zen uh, in the Edmonton area as well. So looks like we're, we're spreading some, our wings here, uh, more to follow. One thing I will say, um, I haven't been saying this at everyone cause I feel awkward saying it being on zoom. Um, so we have the zoom license, we have the, the web, the webpage. So if you are able and feel so inclined, um, would you like to buy us a cup of coffee? And what I mean by that is there's this great new app that's called uh, Buy a Cup of Coffee. It's a small donation. Um, we're on there. And if you go to the Rocky Mountain Zen uh, website, there's a, at the bottom of the page, there's a direct link if you want to throw $5 our way, hoping to give Gyoke Sensei a, a few dineros this evening as well for, for <laughs> in gratitude and appreciation for um for for giving our first dharma talk but uh but also just you know to to help with the with the zoom costs and with the uh the website costs and that as well uh and that is that so um for those of you that haven't been to a dharma talk before it's fairly traditional i think at least it has been in the centers that i've sat with to begin with the opening dharma verse which i will put on your chat screen so it should show up there so feel free to chat, chant if along if you wish. The unsurpassed, profound, and wondrous Dharma is rarely met with, even in a hundred thousand million kalpas. Now we can see and hear it, accept and maintain it. May we unfold the meaning of the Tathagata's truth. Great. So it is my very great pleasure and with great gratitude um, to Gyoke Yokoyama Sensei, uh, who's who's uh, been a wonderful um, supporter of this the endeavor of Rocky Rocky Mountain Zen, and who's uh, who's very graciously agreed to be my teacher, uh, is joining us to give the first uh, Dharma talk this evening for Rocky Mountain Zen, and uh, just a little bit. I, I, you're supposed to do this and uh, it's it's good so that everybody knows um so gyoke um is the secretary correct me if i'm wrong with any of those gyoke is the secretary of the soto zen buddhism north america office a branch of the soto shu in japan he trained at the head monastery at aheji head monastery and has previously served as vice abbot of iboji temple in shinshiro city he served at, uh, at and is now at Sozenji Temple and is previously is uh, at Long Beach Buddhist Church. Um, he spent many years in Canada and is hoping to return in the near future to continue his mission of bringing Zen to Canada. 
and uh, he's coming to visit at the end of August by the sounds of it. So thank you very much, Sensei, and the floor is yours. Oh, thank you very much, Aaron. And it's truly, I mean, we say this a lot, but it, this is truly an honor to be a part of this community. And it's, it's always interesting because I've been sharing the Dharma the teachings here in, in California for the last seven years. And prior to that, I was in Japan uh, working for this temples in Abbott. But every time I contact, be in touch with the Canadian community, always brings me back that memory of the first day and September 1st in Winnipeg <laughs> as an ex exchange student, not sure what to do in school campus. That old court me always comes back. And that's the beginning of my a very transformational process that happened at age 16. So <laughs> that uh, it's always humbling. Um, I feel humble. So today, um, <laughs> I was thinking of what I could talk about, and hopefully uh, I could do my role, I could play my role, and pass it on to other teachers, and I really would like to uh, advocate for this community, and I hope we can have um, other, all different Zen teachers, both in the West, and hopefully from the East as well, uh, contribute to the community. So. Um, my style is, you know, I can't really, I mean, I can quote some teachings, but that's just not how I often do. Um, it's, as you know, Zen practice is more intuitive, experiential, empirical. It's something you go through yourself. It is your journey. And as you go through this, it is okay to take detour or it is okay to have a little different expectations, but it comes back to this moment. It comes back to us. And that has been always a spaciousness I was given. Um, so in that short time that I, I, you know, I, I can share my message with, I think I would like to start with this question. Like if you had any, when you were small, a uh, small boy, a small young girl had a dream to have some sort of occupation or to some, have some sort of, uh, I don't know, skills, like becoming a teacher, becoming an artist. Um, for many people who are new to Zen tradition, um, it kind of gives us a little bit of expectation. What does it mean to be a Zen person, to walk on the path of Zen? And as we all know, uh, thanks to all this, um, amazing teachers like Venerable Thich Nhat Han of Vietnamese Zen society, Zen community, um, Dalai Lama, needless to, make, to say, we have some sort of ideas on how we want to sort of enhance the quality of our life, improve our inner quality, enhance, or maybe even transform this sort of the way of living in some ways. Um, for me, it was a different story. I grew up in a Buddhist temple, Buddhist community, and I was the youngest one. Yet I had a brother two years older than me who had a minor disability. So although I was the youngest one and I was the baby in the whole family, I was always expected to stay in the temple, take over the temple. And I didn't even know what that meant. 
So for me, it, the real journey was to find out what that means. And interesting coincidence that I, part of this history I share with Aaron, that I encountered this Jesuit community in Tokyo. And this was the first uh, Catholic church built um, as a part of a wish uh, the missionaries was from uh, Spain, Francisco Zabel. And there I met a group of Jesuit priests. And among these Jesuit priests were the ones who went to Kyoto, ancient capital in Japan, did a full training of them and came back. What I liked about their approach, the way they shared their faith culture was that many of the people I met had this, this understanding that you have to really know the local language, local culture. And when I really saw this, some of them uh, taking a full Zen training, sharing it, uh, I was quite inspired. So that was my way back re-entry to this tradition. I shared this before. I remember the first six months as I was a college student, I think I was 20 at the time, waking up at five, um, or maybe if I miss the morning zazen, you do that before bedtime, maybe right on bed. So you can do this five, 10 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes, 30 minutes sitting zazen, and then you go straight back, straight to sleep. Something was really invigorating. You know, you feel like your life is getting more focused. I, I think I could literally study better during those six months. And I think I was more athletic, uh, physically, mentally. And that was a part of uh, experience that I really enjoyed. Um, I felt like a fresh, what I say, bamboo tree, or I don't know, <laughs> it's a tree with greeneries. And that's kind of how I felt in Zen practice. Now, what I experienced after this six months going straight to the head monastery was somewhat different. Uh, I spent time there, um, first 100 days. It's really intense, physically demanding, mentally demanding, but that's part of what we expect. It was beautiful. Uh, mountain was beautiful. The whole monastery was beautiful. But then every day we have this rhythm, waking up early, uh, 3.30 in the summertime, 4.30 in the wintertime, and then going to bed nine and just kind of repeating the same thing over and over with all the tight schedule we have every day. And we start to realize, well, that's not quite what we expected. And you start to feel like, well, isn't it? How is it different from the daily life that we have? Like they always are supervisors, senior monks watching. If we're turning on, let's see, the seating lights and then exactly at 5.45, let's say. It can't be at 5.44, it can be 5.46. <laughs> so there's this sort of a precision and you have to dress up in a certain way. Our mind is focused, yes, but 
where our mind is kind of directed all the details. And then for me, I went there as an extension of my spiritual exploration. I really wanted to know what it means to live a Zen life. And I think I wasn't quite ready because I always thought I was a failure, which I guess turned out to be how majority of people, I guess, would feel in a monastery. One time I remember, you know, we have a practice and it ends at 9 p.m. and we're supposed to go to bed after 9 p.m. But there's a, actually a window of time from 9 to 10.30. If you stay up later than 10.30 and if you get some, there's always somebody who inspects and you get caught, you're in trouble. We have this hour and a half hour period. And one of my senior monks took me out to the courtyard. It was a beautiful night. Uh, he um, and I kind of lay down on the stone floor, which was still warm from the heat in the daytime. And looking at the moon said, it's so beautiful. And he told me that he was uh, from this art college and he was studying art and he was interested in Zen. And he said, it's just nice to come out here at night, sneak out to the courtyard and watching the moon, watch, watching the, seeing the whole, the night, night view, no, night scene, the, the view. And he said, I love this smoke <laughs> and a piece of chocolate that I can sneak. And that's something that, you know, he said he really enjoyed. Um, he told me that in the monastic life, we come with this ideal sort of vision. This is how we want to live a life. But then just like in a real world, we get sort of overwhelmed and we sort of lose sight by this busyness of life. And he reminded me how important it is to stop, to cease and watch, just look around, even if just 10 seconds. We have this sort of a naive expectation that monastery would give us a plenty of time, plenty of space to enjoy the views, quietness. But what we discovered was it's nothing different from what we experience in this daily life. And we realize it's about finding that peacefulness in the midst of this busyness. Um, when I became a parent, it's, uh, it's a little bit of an addition to this. I was very excited because my son was gonna be half Canadian, half Japanese. And I had this idea, oh, he's gonna speak Japanese. He's gonna speak English and maybe even speak French. Right? <laughs> and his mom was from Finland. So like, wait a minute, you'll have connection with fin Finnish people. And yeah, and I, I, well, I had this, all these ideas about teaching him Japanese drums, you know, all these things. That was my parental ego. <laughs> but then when he was born with Down syndrome, uh, with heart condition, all this expectation I dropped. During those few weeks, several weeks, all I was thinking of was 
I hope he will live, live on. I hope he will live um, happy life. I call this process um, personally a burning process. This fresh green, maybe a young tree. Uh, we go through this process of dropping all these expectations. Um, more expectation you have, <laughs> it gets a little painful, like my case. But then um, in a monastery, as we envision how we want to be, just like in the process of all these several weeks, how I envisioned how I wanted to be a parent, how I wanted my child to be, all these things sort of burn out in this process. And what remains sort of like a charcoal. In Buddhism, strictly speaking, we say what creates suffering is this egocentric view. We want it this, this way. We want certain things to be the way we envision, we want. And that is so true. Yet there's a still deep desire in us that is so different, difficult to distinguish from our aspiration. If it's ego, is it our aspiration? The way I summarize the experience this process of becoming a parent of a child with a challenge, a certain challenge. And I often compare it to the experience I had in the monastery. This process of letting go of all these expectations, facing our own weakness, imperfections, uh, incompleteness. It was a process of burning. And when everything gets burned out, we think nothing remains there. But that's kind of how I felt. And that's what Zen training did to us. And what remains, what regrows from that barren field after everything's burned out, that's some senior monks would say is a true aspiration that would survive this burning because that is free from our additional egocentric desire and attachment. And in a sense, those monks and nuns who go through this kind of process has this uh, deep sense of what remains, what's left of this desire. And to me, that's what we call vow. Uh, Zen is a part of Mahayana Buddhist school. Mahayana literally means a large vehicle. Uh, we reach out, we try to serve the community in whatever way. And how we do that, it's up to us. No one's going to tell you what to do. Uh, but at least we have this vow. And for me, my parental vow is to be around to do whatever it takes my son that I could be around I could support him uh, in whatever way he needs me and as a as a vow as a priest um, I always had this desire to come back to Canada specifically <laughs> I'm not gonna say North America <laughs> and then um, be able to be of service in whatever way I could 
um, you know, it used to be just my own colorful desires. And after all of these things kind of burnt out, it still is there. <laughs> so I could confirm it, it isn't just a superficial, just wishful thinking. And that really kind of testing of our desire. When a desire goes through this process, it transforms itself into a vow. Whether you're in a favorable position, uh, situation or unfavorable situation, whether you are with a likable person or unlikable person, none of that matters because it is a vow that we carry on. And that's kind of how we see uh, some practice goes with. Anyway, that's my, my ex part of experience. So, um, I, I really enjoy sort of getting together and sharing this initial excitement and joy. But I wanted to share this particularly from my experience, because as we go on, we are going to face some challenges, uh, process of burning. But then hope that your your kind of intrinsic, this motivation will go through this, survive this, and become more kind of crystallized as you go on as a practitioner. All right, I'll stop it here. <laughs> Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you so much, Yoki. That was, that was wonderful. Uh, it really was. Um, thank you for, for that, was a, that was a great first Dharma talk. I appreciate you sharing with us. Uh, we have some, we have a few minutes. I don't know if anybody has any, any questions or comments you'd like to make. Just uh, use the raise hand function and, and, uh, and we'll, we'll go in order if you do. Oh, I see Anne is the first one. <laughs> oh, you're muted, Anne. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Hi, uh, Gyoki, I want to say thank you so much for your words and your wisdoms because I feel like even though you have grown up with certain traditions and certain culture, um, being from the West, these are new concepts to me much of the time. And they're illuminating, really. It's like the light bulb above my head going off and going, oh, yes. Okay, yes, it is important to to really um, be curious in this moment and to take in everything going around me because there can be a kind of madness in the world where you're, you're always on this gerbil wheel trying to get more or accomplish more and you can be missing things like right in front of you. And um, your talk this evening reminded me of that, like to appreciate gifts that maybe you're not going for even, but are given to you. Um, and uh, that's, that's an important thing to um, bear in mind and for me to be aware of. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you have a great nature. I always envy that. <laughs> Anybody else? Okay. 
Well, thank you very much again, uh, Gilke. Very much appreciated for for sharing with us this evening. And we've been broadcasting live on on Facebook, so I'm sure other people have heard heard your your wonderful words too. So thanks very much again for that. Um, yes, I, I guess uh, so. We're getting close to getting close to the time. Um, so unless anybody has has uh, anything to uh, to add, I guess we're we can we can probably wrap up for for this evening. Um, just to let you know, to speak, uh, just by way of announcement, um, Dave, uh, next Tuesday, Dave Cuomo, um, who is a Zen priest, but also the, the caretaker of uh, Angel City Zen Center in Los Angeles, is going to be uh, joining us to give uh, a little bit of a talk. So you're most welcome to, um, to join us again. Um, I sort of, we talked about this, I think last week, uh, Tuesdays is going to be, I, th I think is probably the best day to do. Sun Sunday will be, you know, pretty much a sit, a simple sit and, um, you know, maybe a little bit of, of discussion amongst the, those of us that have, that have gathered. Um, Tuesdays is going to be, you know, a, a short sit and then uh, some sort of Dharma talk or Dharma discussion. So starting in August, we, we talked about it. Um, when there isn't a Dharma talk, we'll, uh, I think we'll go through, there's a book that I think um, that we're going to start with. Uh, it is the, the Zen teaching of homeless Kodo. Um, so if you are interested in doing that, I think the, the first one um, is August, whatever the first, not the first Tuesday of August, but um, uh, so uh, not August 3rd, but uh, August 10th, I think is the, will be the first date. So if you, uh, if you want to join us for that, you feel free to, you don't have to, but you feel free to grab a, a copy and we, we will start making through its very short chapters of very practical uh, pieces of advice um, by three uh, Zen teachers, Koro Sawaki, Uchiyama Roshi, and uh, Shohaku Okamura. Um, and sort of a the grandfather, the father, and the and the son of a particular Zen lineage. So, um, so you're welcome to to join us for that. And and there'll be um, yeah there'll be there'll be other talks in that coming along as well. But um, yeah, uh, does anybody else have anything to to add or anything that you want to mention? No. I just want to. I just want to say thank you. It's you know, it's, <laughs> I can't express with words how happy I am feeling just being. And then when I heard a lower insight, a you have no idea how happy I was just hearing that. <laughs> I learned all the slangs and you know all, all those words in Winnipeg, and I it's just so unfortunate that I can't use these expressions. <laughs> anymore but i can't wait to do this in private <laughs> <laughs> oh no well thanks uh thank you very much again no for uh for for doing this and thank you everybody for for joining us so i will uh we'll close we have um um we'll do the uh the dedication of the the class um Let's see. Sorry, I'll put this in the chat as well. Yeah.
May the merit of this gathering extend universally to all so that we together with all beings realize the Buddha way. All Buddhas throughout space and time. All honored ones, bodhisattvas, mahasattvas, wisdom beyond wisdom, Maha Prajna Paramita. Great. And there we are. We're right at 7.30. Look at that. We run like a German train schedule over here. It's good. <laughs> Thank you again. Uh, sensei for the for the wonderful words and talk and thank you everybody for joining and uh, we'll be uh, uh, doing club zen this sunday i'll be broadcasting probably not from inside the garden maybe inside the garden we'll see in lethbridge um but please uh, so it's the same zoom address if you you want to sit uh like i said sunday it'll just be a, a simple sit and gathering and then next tuesday we'll be doing the class again I, we talked about this last time. I don't know how everybody feels. We'll, maybe I'll do a poll on the Facebook page. Um, we're going to try a Monday morning sit, maybe. Early morning. So uh, before work morning. So we'll see, how that, we'll see how that goes. Everybody else seems to start Tuesday through Friday. So nobody seems to do it on Monday. So I figured maybe that'd be a good spot. Good way to start the week. Okay. Thank you very much, everybody. Again, take care. Thank you. Thank you, Gyoki. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Thank you so much. Thank Bye. you, Aaron. Thank you.